Hello and welcome to episode 271 of the Waters Waverland podcast. I'm your host, Weishan, and I've got Tony with me here. Hey T, how's it going? It's okay. You know, dog days of summer, so just uh, trying to get through into September, so. Kind of reminds me of a song um, by Florence and the Machine. Uh, I know them. I, you know, obviously, I don't know their 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 catalog. Hmm. I thought was, for some reason I thought you were gonna go Counting Crows, Long November, or whatever. But I don't know who that is. Yep, yeah, you know the song, I'm sure. Okay. If we, <laughs> on Spotify, we'll play it after uh, we're done recording. <laughs> Maybe if we just use ten seconds, I think that we can uh, just use it as our intro if we want. <laughs> I I don't think I'm comfortable with uh, risking that, but anyway. I mean, are the Counting Crows really listening to the Waters Wavelength podcast waiting to sue us? I mean, I doubt it, but you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> you, you run the show, so I'll let you decide. <laughs> well, this week we have a guest. Um, I brought on David Hardoon. He is currently the Group Chief Data and AI Officer of Union Bank of the Philippines. Uh, former CDO and special advisor at the Monetary Authority of Singapore. And he is, uh, well, he's definitely an academic. Um, he's got a PhD in machine learning, as well as uh, he did his bachelor's degree in commerce with artificial intelligence. So that's all to say that he's an expert in the field. Um, mm -hmm. And most importantly, on, he's a return guest too. Yeah, this will be his second time coming on. I think um, I I think I brought him on. Well, it was, it was definitely at the height of the pandemic. I'm, yeah, I'm quite sure. I, I, remember, I remember recording I, on my floor. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just saying this just to say it. I, le I legitimately remember being a, a very good conversation. So I'm looking forward to this one. Let's get right to it then. Okay, joining me is David Hardoon. He's the Group Chief Data and AI Officer at Union Bank of the Philippines. Hey, David, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, the last time we had you on was actually right smack in the middle of the pandemic. I think it was October 2020. And I mean, for our listeners, we'll link back to that episode as well. But it's it's great to have you back. Well, thank you very much, and uh, it's always good to be back. I think uh, since the last time we spoke, uh, a lot of uh, <clears throat> things happened in the industry. <laughs> so great, uh, great content to kind of, uh, I guess, dive into. Yeah, and actually, uh, the, our past couple of episodes, we've we've gotten, uh, you know, experts talking about, and in general anyway, generative AI. So oh, like, yep. kind of sticking <laughs> to the theme here. Um, I was trying not to say that, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I thought it would be good to kind of get you on and you are the expert to talk about everything to do with AI. So not only language models, which obviously is our topic for today, but anything to do with AI, I think you are the expert. Um, well, far too kind, but thank you. <laughs> So I thought maybe it would be helpful, actually, maybe before we start that, maybe give yes. an overview um, to our audience here about um, your role at Union Bank of Philippines, and uh, and then we can go from there. Sure. Well, so long title, but I'm the Group Chief Data and AI Officer at Union Bank of the Philippines, because essentially it's a number of financial institutions. And to a certain extent, as the name kind of uh, entails, it's basically anything to do with data end to end. 
from the, you know, actually, I, I was kind of preface it with, with all the slightly boring, but actually, I find it extremely exciting, you know, the data governance, the data management, the, the making sure data flows from one point to another, because we all know, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But then more importantly, is how does this um, how does this world of data in the financial institution is used, whether it is from, you know, customer engagement, uh, heck, trading. We had a whole conversation about that last time. Um, financial crime and critically relevant, important topic for across the entire industry. So long and short, the revenue, operational efficiency and risk management data cradle to grave. Great. That sounds great. Um, well, Let's just dive right in into what has kind of upended the world and particularly the finance, I mean, well, the, yeah, the world, and then very specifically also into the finance industry, you know, since November 2020 with the introduction of ChatGPT. And, you know, that brought on the introduction to large language models. So I'm aware that there are a few other terminologies around other language models, but maybe to start with, you know, like, um, what is your view on large language models? I mean, you know, how did it come to, uh, you know, what, what is it intended to do? And then, you know, we can talk a little bit about the applications that it's, you know, that will be focused on. No, absolutely. And so I, I was kind of, I think we were having a conversation earlier, and I always like to start prefacing it when, you know, when this kind of really hit the scene. Uh, you know, by the way, I was very tempted to say initially, like, what, what happened? I'm chat, chat, what? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I kind of got asked, it's like, so David, what do you think about all of this? And I said, you know, I, I really have two minds on, you know, two hats on. One of them is obviously as a practitioner in the field, you know, my profession being superly excited, saying right on. The other one from the kind of more academic one is, and I kind of half joke when I say it's like, well, we told you so. The field of language um, has been, I would argue, or perhaps in my view, at the heart and soul of the world of AI. And the reason it's in the heart and soul of the word of AI, um, let's just revert back to Turing and Turing tests. It is, it is exactly that point of interaction, interactivity, connectivity, the ability for human and machine to suddenly break those barriers. So it is, it is you know almost I don't know, borderline kind of spiritually critical, because no matter how intelligent or sophisticated an algorithm can be. If you don't get through that level of being able to converse and interact, it's still kind of you know alien to a certain extent. So I, I know it sounded a bit kind of uh, um, um, kind of well, I don't know, existential to some degree. But I just want to emphasize that look, it's really really important. So there's been a lot of work on this space to be able to, and in lack of a better description, understand language. And again, quote unquote, because I think it's slightly different from the way we perhaps may perceive and understand language, and communicate using language. And if I oversimplify things, it's effectively the ability to predict the next word. Just like when we have a conversation right now and I'm able to conjure that next word that I am saying, same thing. Can a machine in an eloquent fashion to stream together sentences, to stream together a sequence of events effectively? Now, where LLMs gets exciting is it's always been the view of, well, two actually, Naturally, the you have more data to train on, the better the models can be. And you saw this kind of hunger and aptitude to grow these models more and more and more and more. So from you know, you know, millions of attributes, billions of attributes, or trillions, that's like just just keep on adding zero kind of situation. And look, I think that kind of really proved it that you know the the, the Turing test has been not 
successfully conquered, it's been obliterated. <laughs> it's it's been knocked out of the the ballpark to the point when I would argue we have a very difficult time telling the the part between a human and machine sometimes. Uh, put aside the content and the you know hallucination, quote unquote, but we have a very difficult part time now. The second element is it's the ability to access information and provide it. And this is kind of where you have a whole bunch of different LLMs, you have different types, whether it's encoding, whether it is in terms of you know art, whether it's in terms of literally giving you a summary, or as I heard the other day um, from a lady where her daughter wrote a quote unquote, wrote an essay using ChatGPT. <laughs> so this is this is what it was about. This is what it, the, the goal. And when this was released for the wild, it just blew everyone away. It was like, wow, really? This this is possible. It it can learn to program. It can learn learn and, and actually generate based on a prompt. It can, you know, rather than reading these, you know, whole book, it can provide me a summary. You know, what it 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 really, I think, mesmerized all of us in terms of wow, this is not just high, a theory. This can work. And that came about the okay, so now that we know it's real, how can we use it? Okay, so then, I mean, looking at the applica uh, applications that have come out of it, I mean, particularly in the, I mean, I know in general there's plenty of use cases. I mean, but looking at the financial industry, it's not like they can really use ChatGPT just like that, right? Um, I mean, these are highly regulated industry uh, and yeah, highly regulated firms that, you know, have someone to answer to. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, a very hard hand there. Um, so obviously then <laughs> that led to kind of like specialist GPTs. So yeah. like of Bloomberg GPT that came in and then I think uh, Broadridge's LTX also has Bond GPT and a, a few other firms also have announced their intention to create other specialist G uh, GPTs. So how does that uh, flow then, I guess? So, so yeah. from having the LLMs created and a lot of work uh, and, and great work there, but at the same time, it's not something that financial firms can actually use like that, yeah. right? So how is that? I mean, and do you see that there will be more specialization? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And is this is this where we get into what we might term small language models? <laughs> I, I, I maybe, well, it probably is going to happen one way or the other, but I kind of would try and prevent the term SLMs or small language models that are coming about. <laughs> but, but, but perhaps let me, let me take a step back and say, no, absolutely. And, but I would say there are two, not necessarily um, mutually exclusive kind of rationales behind the necessity of specialization. Let's call it small because let's be honest, it's still big, but specialization. One, and, and, and I, I don't know which came first. It's a bit like a chicken and the egg scenario. I think this one came first, which is really more from the policy, governance, regulation, compliance side, where after the first tranche of you know enthusiasm and excitement, I think everyone suddenly realized, whoa, this thing hallucinates. I was having a conversation with someone in the banking industry and said to me, David, this is phenomenal, you know, especially when you think about core bill and whatnot. We can have ChatGPT, you know, code for us all the core banking solutions. And and to which I kind of paused and said, Are you really going to deploy into your core banking system codes that's been generated by ChatGPT? And to be honest, I was kind of half testing to see how the response would be. 
And as you would expect, the answer is, well, yeah, no, of course, we're going to validate it, et cetera, and so forth. But you see, that's that's exactly that layer that I was mentioning of there's a concern of, yeah, it's it's great in terms of accessing knowledge. And, and to me, this is what has been absolutely revolutionary with LLMs that has created this conversational layer to knowledge. But then on the other hand, when you have this stuff, things that have been trained on everything and anything, it can go haywire. So the first and foremost rationale between, uh, behind creating this speciality is actually to limit deliberately so that you're very good at something. But, no. but again, the rationale behind that was more compliance and mitigation of risk. The second one, and as I said, it's not mutually exclusive, and I've kind of been alluding towards it, is, and it's you can analogize it to, to us people, where you have generalists and you have specialists. And generalists, you know, uh, would maybe able to kind of extend across multiple domains, touch to a certain degree, but specialists are necessary and needed in order to go to that specificity domain. And, and one of the perfect ones is engineering, healthcare, where you have, you know, general practitioners, but then you have the doctors or, you know, physicians that will go into a very, very specific area. Because we're dealing with the world of knowledge, I would be utterly surprised if it does, didn't mimic us. Where, yeah, you will still have that generic LLM. Like now when you search online, I don't know about you, it's generic, but I get these beautiful summaries based on whatever I search. I ask about this. It's great. But hopefully, you know, others won't as well. Ask, like, how do I perform complex brain searching? However, if you are want to have an LLM that is designed and specifically in dental pediatricians. And again, it's, you see, it's highly specialized. A, it's dental. B, it's for children. You want to make sure that you create this ring fence around these LLMs to making sure that it's specific, it's specialized, such that, that A, the risk is mitigated, and B, its level of depth could potentially be better. Okay, but what, what are the potential challenges, I guess, of um, creating that ring fence? Uh, and making sure that ring fence is really, I guess, protected from other mm. data so that it becomes really, it is really specialized for something very, well, <laughs> something very specialized for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the thing, that's what we're figuring out now. I mean, and, and, and the, um, well, I don't know, if, I don't want to be unkind, but the salad of terms and marketing uh, 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 representations of, you know, small LLM, edge LLM, chat GPT, this, AI. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting into a bit of like, a, a unfortunately, at times, a, a blockchain era, you know, 2.0. Um, we're figuring all this out. We're, A, we didn't even realize that stuff could hallucinate. Now we're realizing, oh, it can. I mean, I honestly don't think people realize that, however obvious it may be. Then that's the case of like, okay, what does a specialized LLM mean? Does it mean that you train it only on that set of data or do you put guardrails? So in other words, for example, you train it so it's generically trained, but then uh, um, fine tune it on a specific set of information or do you then a, prior, a, a posterior, sorry, put a set of controls whereby it just doesn't answer anything and everything. Now, each one of these scenarios has pros and cons. Like uh, the, the, the classical one of the a posterior approach whereby you're just trying to prevent answering questions that go out of the speciality, you know, prompt engineering. You, you just find a way to work around it and ask it in a way in which it answers. 
Um, now, in terms of the, 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 the speciality, in terms of, okay, how do we know that, that this data is relevant? How it's relevant? And by the way, is, if I go back to my introduction, it goes back to the good old data governance, data quality, data management. How, how do we have a certain degree of assurance in terms of what the data is and what it represents? And finally, the pros and cons. Now, what we're finding, and I think there's been a few MIT papers, a few of those, is that actually, again, not surprisingly, specialized LLMs outperform generic LLMs. But again, that statement may be misleading. It outperforms the general LLMs for that speciality in which they've been trained on. And again, it's, it's like you go and do a you know, doctoral degree in mechanical engineering. Yeah, you're going to know a thing or two more than me. <laughs> And it's actually actually interesting that you you mentioned like uh, there's so many AI terms now because I was doing some research uh, into you know small language models at first and then I I came across you know different terms like edge LLMs fine tune uh, sorry not LLMs because it's large but edge language models fine tune language models and you know to me who's <laughs> not trained in I don't I don't have an, a background in AI right I don't have a background in like data science that allows me to kind of understand what that means it's really confusing and I would imagine I would also imagine that not everyone at you know a a bank or an asset manager would understand these because it's it just yeah. not it's yeah. not in their you know their, their training you know it's not everyone in the bank would know what these mean um, so how do we need to be you know, careful about, you know, when, uh, how do firms need to be careful when they kind of like approach, uh, you know, a, a new project saying like, oh, let's create this, you know, specialized yeah. LMs to, I, I don't know, look for, look for potential, um, I don't know, maybe to predict some settlement failure or something, you know? Well, well look, if this goes back to the fundamental premise of you never, unless you're a tech company, unless you're a research agency or research company, you never ever start from the tech. Never. So I, 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 you shouldn't have a case of a bunch of bankers, sing, uh, bankers, excuse me, sitting in a room going, oh, how do we use, should it be L Edge LLM or should be, uh, you know, specialized LLM or should it be highly, it's like, no, no, that, that is a surreal conversation unless it's just purely from a curiosity with respect to the different types of applications of LLMs. And that's that's also if you come kind of half answering a question that wasn't up. It's just different forms of application. What they should be asking themselves is, what is it that we're trying to do? We have been given a phenomenal capability to make knowledge conversational. And, and I deliberately want to kind of pause on that very, very broad statement because now the possibilities are endless. What is it that I want to do? Oh, do we want to enable our, our brokers to be able to do faster research on the various um, companies that they're looking into or managing or investments? Or do we want to provide now an interface to surface that directly to our clients? Um, do we want to potentially help mitigate or identify risks by doing this kind of a priori analysis. Like you see, like literally, like what is it that we need or trying to do? That will then determine both the fundamental methodology and B, how that methodology or technology will and can be applied effectively, be it edge, not edge, cloud, on-prem, 
hovering up in the ether of existence, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, what is it that you're trying to do? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Right. I think you touched on a very important point there because I think we've, we have seen even, you know, covering uh, at here at Waters Technology, covering emerging technologies, right, um, and how they are applicable in, in finance. Uh, we've seen with blockchain specifically, very, very specifically, and, mm. and my co-host and editor-in-chief, Anthony Malikian, will have a lot to say about this because, yeah, he for one does not think that you know, he's he's not a fan, basically. But <laughs> but that whole well, thing well, of like, yeah, blockchain, blockchain does this, and so we're going to go ahead with it, rather than so, be like, what are we actually solving here? Yeah. So so don't get me wrong. Obviously, we need to have a a portion of us to constantly innovate, challenge look at the possibilities that we've never thought of because and that's you know not 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 to kind of do a roll call here but you know nokia kodak woolworth uh, starbucks uh blackberry I, I can keep on going i would argue is that they were happy they were content but kind of lost the dimension of that innovation that another uh, player came about and was like oh, oh look at this new thing but it needs to be a healthy balance it needs to be extremely healthy balance. And again, what is that balance is for every organization to decide themselves, whether it's a 90, 10, 80, 20, 50, again, one portion is run the bank. It is how do we focus on the things that we need to focus on from um, um, operational efficiencies, customer engagement, risk management, or it's a matter that we have problems and, you know, come on, let, let's all be, big boys and girls and whatever, and admit that we have problems every now and then, and how do we go about in solving these problems? And that's where we look at it from a top-down perspective of applying the availability of technology to address that. Check. Now you look at the other, whatever percent is, and then you put that thinking cap of, okay, we have this new fundamental technology, blockchain. It provides an ability to trace in an immutable fashion, a sequence of data items. With this underlying capability, what it could allow us in doing as a financial institution. Doesn't make sense, doesn't you see? So it's 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 it, it's then taking that path, and some of that will, as we look, we know, result in no. And some of the things result in, okay, actually it's resulting in new opportunity, a new possibility, which will go through the tests of markets in terms of will people pay for it or people not pay for it. And by the way, speaking of LLMs, that's exactly the, 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 you know, the rubber hits the road that you know, OpenAI is going through right now. It's like, amazing. Will people pay for it? So that's kind of the coming of age. Apple, when it first came out with you know, full touch screen, phone, will people pay for it? That's the ultimate test. But you see that percentage of we need to innovate. And I strongly believe that now with this possibility of specialized learning models, I'm not, see, I'm not even using the word language because it, it, it could be, like I said, in art, it could be cases like an avatar, it could be interactive, it could be sound, it could be music. I can believe that this new capability will give birth to a phenomenal new possibility that will go through that market validity and test. But we can't forget that they quote unquote run the back or run whatever business that you're in. And the way we need to think of it is, what is it that we're trying to do? Why is it that we're trying to do it? And only then, only then, how is how we should address it? As in, as in, excuse me, what is the underlying technology that can facilitate? I'll just repeat it because, I, like, literally, I live by this mantra: what, why, 
than the how. Mm. That's interesting then. So like, I mean, since you, you, you do see there will be more specialists and I'm going to use your word learning models coming up, uh, particularly in this field that we're in. Um, what are some of the use cases that you think will will be more prevalent in the uh, corporate and investment banking scene? Well, again, and, and you can see I'm kind of getting excited here, jumping up and down. <laughs> um, like I said, knowledge management. The, the, the thing that's been plaguing us for several decades, you know, these, these, these constant knowledge management solutions that every company tries to instill, tries to embed, whether it's for your salespeople, whether it's internal. And again, okay, I don't know about you, but everyone hates it. <laughs> Everyone's hated every single system. Why? Because it's clunky. You have to define the taxonomy. You have to file things. If you don't file it right, you can't get it out. People, it's, it's, it, it's just, it, it, uh, you see, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Look at Google. Even Google, when they came up with the inbox, what was the first thing that they said? Like, oh, you don't have to file emails anymore. You can now search. That was the whole preface of searching because you don't need to manage the knowledge and all the information in the back end. The first and foremost application of this in the world of you know, finance, banking, et cetera, and whatnot is knowledge management. We can literally just go <laughs> throw the stuff at it and go and sit happily in the background and just say, hey, um, can you just summarize again what the boss wanted yesterday? Boom, extracts all the minutes from the meeting and says, the boss wanted you to da -da 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 -da. It creates this interactive, almost gamified. And, and, and again, this is, so, so, so the conversational and interactive is what gets me excited, but the gamified, I mean, look at us as, 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 as a species. Games, is, is, it gets us always. And it will make us invent the most amazing stuff. It's, we suddenly gamify knowledge? I think that if we do this right, we are at the tipping point of something great. And I can already see what the, the question is. Oh, David, what is it going to be? You know something? I'm not even going to bother professing to know because that's, you know, the dog runs for a slide. You know what you know, you know what you don't know, you don't know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. That's why it's, this is such an exciting period in time. We're, we're at that cusp of we're entering into that. We don't know anything. Hmm. But of course, I mean, having that data is, um, I mean, and coming back to, I guess, maybe the, the sure. bar, the so-called boring, quote unquote, boring part <laughs> of all this, right, which, which is the data, the data quality, the governance of it and the management of it. Um, so obviously, specialist language models or learning models will kind of maybe help that a little bit, right, with that knowledge management, but particularly on the conversational side of it. Um, how do you see uh, it been because obviously having more data is good and we've seen that but that's not good enough you know we need mm -hmm. what is that context of the data that you're trying to uh, that firms are trying to get so like from these so-called specialized learning models that will come out uh, from from more companies like Bloomberg and LTX you know how are they going to provide that how are they looking to provide that uh, more context, I guess, for their mm. for, for their clients, for their firms, uh, you know, and, you know, what are, you know, I guess the potential uh, problems they may run into looking at that? 
Well, look, so you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, all this excitement comes with a equal weight in responsibility, um, accountability, and fiduciary responsibility. I mean, while obviously these terms kind of overlap, with respect to data. And in a way, it's, it's always funny that only when we start really using data, and this is exactly the element about um, the conversational uh, access to knowledge, that we're actually using all this stuff that we've been collecting in a much more prolific manner, um, also means that we're going to pay a lot more attention to the data, both in terms of governance and both in terms of quality. So that's, that's one. And, and that's an important statement to me. You only really realize how bad your data is, is once you start using it. You understand the potential risks that comes out of your data once you potentially use it. So that kind of to me also means we have to kind of put out, you know, big person hats on and, and, and take it seriously. Then to your point is in terms of, of, of provisioning and engaging. Well, th that one, like I said, to me, the, the, the jury's still out, you know, the horses still out of the stables in terms of how exactly that will be done. Uh, we, we're seeing the interest, we're seeing the relevance, we're seeing the attack. Again, Bloomberg has done. One, I'm sure many other financial institutions have done others. There's already conversations in other industries. Uh, there's been applications, for example, in engineering, maintenance. But it's still, I would say, that, that step of how do we exactly provide it? How do we exactly push control? How do we exactly um, prevent certain things? Like, like, like literally, if you look at the generic, the LLMs, or the really large learning models, <laughs> uh, which are online. And it's literally a cat and mouse. And there's like whole Reddit uh, forums which are dedicated to uh, basically uh, uh, um, prompt engineering to getting around the control that's been put in place. So that's why I'm saying that I think what we'll find is that we kind of like, like a, 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 was it a stem, stem or bifurcated approach of the cat and mouse will continue, whereby it's still a matter where you put in controls of if you ask me this, I will just not answer or I will um, 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 control my response. The second one, whereby it's the baseline is a large learning model, but then it's uh, um, fine tuned on specific sets. And then to, you know, the, the, I love this term, small learning model, it's still big, which is f the methodologies and approaches also to see the same in principle, but then it's from the get-go tra uh, trained on a smaller uh, set of domains or a domain to allow it for that vertical. So then no matter what you, you try and ask it or engineer it it, it, it cannot, okay, let me rephrase that sentence. It can only hallucinate within its domain. <laughs> what could be a practical example of that? Let's say hallucinating within the domain. Oh man, it's <laughs> I, I, theoretically. It's, look, it's, it's, it's come up with weird, pretty funky. I mean, okay, I, I know. I, I just had one perfect example, which, well, perfect in a not so great sense. Law. When the lawyer in the US, you know, was creating, uh, doing research on, um, uh, for their, I think it was, uh, uh, I can't remember the civil suit or whatever, and the summarized, um, uh, 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 research um, positioning included fictitious um, uh, cases, or reference to cases that just never happened. And it was only because the judge has been on the bench for a significant amount of time, which just, you know, looked at it and said, like, you know, th these things don't exist. 
but the LLM, you know, happily went and created this fictitious scenario to better help uh, justify its position. I'm pretty sure, again, the LLM, I guess this is the weird thing, we were talking about it for like it's another person, like thought it did the right thing, because it just plumped information, you know, made some context, because remember, all it is, is predicting the next word. Mm. So that's an example of a hallucination within its domain. So how do we mitigate that? In the case of law, um, in the case of highly specialized or impactful areas, I would say that this also emphasizes, ironically, the critical role that the human plays mm. in validation. Yeah, I, I think that, that 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 is important because I think when when ChatGPT actually, you know, when when uh, OpenAI basically released ChatGPT into the world, everyone was like, oh. What, what's going to happen to our jobs? So many jobs will be like yeah. gone. But I mean, to a certain extent, maybe that is true. I mean, depending well, on wait, what wait, 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 it is. No, not, not to interrupt you, but but I I, I think you know I had a very very um, uh, heated view <laughs> about this whole debate about you know AI taking away jobs to the extent that you know when I was in MAS Monetary Authority of Singapore. I just had enough. And I said, look, you have these very intelligent and smart people who are saying it's going to destroy all these jobs. You have these very intelligent and smart people saying it's going to create all these jobs. Look, what's going on here? And we commissioned back then what was the first of the kind study that in, in the financial sector that looked at you know, uh, front office, back office, the entire gamut to basically um, analyze the jobs and see what's going to be the impact. You know, data driven. And what the conclusion that was found is that yes, tasks may be impacted, but jobs evolved. So I can say full heartedly, AI will not take jobs. People with the knowledge and skill sets of AI will take away jobs. Just as any case where a person that is more qualified or person with more knowledge or person with more skill sets will take away a job. So if anything, it's a call out to us to say, well, once upon a time, you know, I had a 20, 20, 10, 20 decade kind of runway to kind of, not, now there's a lot more change, there's a lot more adaptation. Yes, and it can be scary. I'm not undermining that. But AI is not going to take away jobs. In, I, irrefutably. In fact, if anything, what you're finding is that every single time people say it's going to take away jobs, it creates new ones. Think about Google when it first came about. Search engine optimization. If you'd ask, oh, I'm hiring someone to do SEO before 2000, people would look at you and say, like, what are you talking about? It was a job that was created from the search algorithms and the capabilities. How do you optimize web pages to be better found? Look at this whole world of LMs, prompt engineering. It is a job. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I guess one more question for you. So, like, apart from all this language models or learning models you know yeah. what do you have your eye on maybe something that mm. is new or, or something that particularly interests you attention over the last several years has really been on the operationalization of ai so it's less about the advancement of the methodologies per se but how do we make sure we use it so in other words think of again we, we briefly discussed this whole blockchain thing how do we how do we avoid the, the the fanfare and really show how does it do the value? For example, we've been talking about using AI for alternative lending for donkey years. I would argue that it's 
still pretty much in the domain of the fintech players, not in the institutionalized uh, financial, sorry, the financial institutions, the tra traditional, quote unquote, I know they hate that term, financial institutions. FinCrime, we've been talking about the, the impact and possibility of applying AI in FinCrime. We still haven't done it. The fundamental methodologies that are being used, the fundamental techniques, it's the same thing. There's a different, you know, this is fresh coat of paint. It's still built and designed on the premise of rules. They serve a purpose. We need to be using the possibilities of AI. So that's what I meant by the operationalization. How do we make it real? Then, but on top of that, if you say, say to me, David, well, still, from a technological point of view, what is really still kind of, well, I'll say keeping you up at night from a negative sense, but keeping you up at night in terms of excitement. Well, quite frankly, it's quantum. The moment quantum becomes, um, I won't say a reality, because many would argue, David, it's already a reality. I would say a reality, just like I have a computer just sitting beside my foot here, like you buying a phone, you can have a quantum chip. When it becomes a commodity or, you know, an industrial commodity at the very least, everything and anything we know just, 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 you know, just out the window. It changes everything. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm that, while some, it may terrify some, and understandably, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's another, another point of fundamental change uh, in what we do, what we can do, how we think, how we operate, our ability to Discover existing, sorry, discover new knowledge, um, as well as manage and dissect existing knowledge. Quantum changes the game. That sounds really interesting. Um, maybe I'll get you on again to talk about that <laughs> next time. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's been great having you on the podcast again, David. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, I think we've had a really interesting conversation here about language models. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure being on. Thanks.